Everybody say beyond. beyond. It's time to go beyond. Listen, today as they were playing the music, I was sitting here just thinking and praying in the spirit, thanking God for the service, and I saw Jesus walk out with me. So I know he's here. If you've ever wondered if Jesus is here, he's here. I saw him clearly in my spirit. For our mantra for the church and our, our motto that we have followed for years is give, act, serve, and inspire. That's who we are. That's what we're all about. What does give, act, serve, and inspire mean? I will be a person, give. I will be a person who gives to advance the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is a Savior? Jesus. What does that mean? He's a person who rescues another from harm, danger, or loss. How many people can say today that Jesus has saved you from harm, danger, or loss? That's give. Act. I will act upon the word of God and his call for my life. So when you wear that shirt, know that what it means. Serve. I will serve in my church and community for his glory. Serve. I will serve in my church and community for his glory. Inspire. I will live a life that inspires others to grow closer to God. Now, in order for us to accomplish these things, we must go beyond or outside what we think or we can even comprehend. The old thinking's got to go. Say, the old thinking's got to go. The old way we've went is not where we're going. If you think this man is bound by tradition, I'm not. You follow me around this week, you'd find out. Everybody's trying to prove who they are and how big they are and how great they are and how whatever adjective you want to put with it, and I'm just me. And I said, I will not change. This is who I am. But in order to accomplish these things, we have to go beyond or outside what we felt before, what we thought before. We have to go beyond ourselves. Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Go beyond ourselves. Beyond what you've been told. Beyond your normal experience. Beyond your traditions. With all these things in mind, I want to ask you this question. I'm not going to be up here a long time today, but we're going to set the nail today. So how do you, in all this, how do you handle things you don't understand? Have you ever watched people when certain situations come in their life, they just don't know, they just don't understand, they just can't put their, I can't get a handle on it. Have you heard people say that? I can't, it just, it's not equating with me. If you're a parent, you'll understand that when your child gets about, be, be about 13. It starts to happen. You say, I can't comprehend this. You need to look back in the mirror and say, I was the same way, because you were. But I don't understand. This is an important question because many times, everybody say many times, there will be a difference in your success. Be, that will be the difference in your success or your failure. 
What do you mean? How you answer this question. It'll either take you into faith or it'll take you into fear. Questions I hear people say because they're using flesh reasoning, because that's where we go, that's what we're accustomed to, that's what I feel good in is my flesh reasoning. How many people know flesh reasoning is short-sighted? And you'll get short-sighted promises and blessings and everything. Short-sighted, short vision, I call it. I hear people say, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why me, Lord? Doesn't God care for me? Does his word work for me? Now, I can stop right there and preach because, see, the problem is a lot of people want the word to work for them, but they won't work the word. Now, that's fact. They wonder why all these things are happening, but they're not allowing the word for them to work the word. Well, I feel good today. Has God really forgotten me? No, he sees exactly who you are, what you are, and what you're going to do. He already has some things planned for you. You're just missing it. Why am I having such a difficult time? How many people have said that? How about this one? When I am doing all I know to do, I just feel so empty. You're in a good place if you feel empty because you're about to be filled with something far greater than yourself. But I've been a Christian most of my life. How many people say, I've been a Christian most of my life. Why, 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 why? It sounds like a baby. Wah, 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 wah. Well, let's find out why. Romans 5, 1 through 5 in the New Living Translation, the NLT. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, there's only one way, I'm going to start preaching a little bit. There's only one way for you to be right in sight of God, in God's sight. Mark this down. I don't care who you are, how many crosses you wear, how many Bibles you carry, how many cassettes you listen to, or DVDs, or whatever those sticks are called. I don't care. You need to mark this down. No matter how much your grandma believed, or your grandpa believed, your uncle or aunt. Now hear me this. The only way we can be right in God's sight is by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith. Because of what, church? Our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Undeserved privilege where we now stand and we are confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now watch. We can rejoice too or also when we run into problems. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm into problems. Boy, that don't even sound right, does it? See, that's flesh thinking. I'm not going to rejoice when I'm having a problem, but watch him. So we rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. Why do you run hours and hours? Why do you train hours and hours to go play a game that lasts 45 minutes? Because that causes you to grow and to mature and, and, and it creates endurance within you. The Bible says, he that endures until the end, the same shall be saved. So when we run it, we start to rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. 
And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So you start to see that when those things start to happen that you don't know why, 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 and the problems are coming your way, it may be trying to help you to mature, help you to grow, help you to see God. And maybe God has given you a word in the past that you have thrown away. You've trashed it. You better pull it out of the trash, unwrinkle it, and realize God is going to require that of you. The Lord said that to me this week. He said, I'm not playing anymore. He talks to me that way. It's like a, a, a fellow got me to church. He said, said, thus saith the Lord, I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring forth judgment. He said, I'm telling you, I, thus saith the Lord, God's going to bring forth judgment. And he said, thus saith the Lord, and I'm not kidding this time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Lord is tired. He's weary. And if you don't think he's weary, look at the churches across the United States of America right now. In the last two days, over 100 pastors and ministers have given up the gospel. The church resigned. In the last two days. Why is that happening? James 1, 2 through 4 in the NIV. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Diverse, the Bible the King James calls it. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Watch that word, Randy. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So what helps you to not lack anything? You have to walk through these things that we're questioning and wondering, why is it happening? The word perseverance means continued pursuit. When he says persevere, a continued pursuit or steady persistency in any state or course of action. It's persistency. How many of you have ever been persistent before? Now, I'm not talking about when you want to go buy a dress or get those shoes. No, no, no. I'm talking about for your life. The things that I'm faced with, the things that you're faced with, the things that go on in our life, the troubles, the trials, causes a maturity. That the, Watch this. It causes a maturity, Jimmy, that the devil just can't handle. He can't handle that. Why? Because you start to move in faith and not just by mere sight. He can't handle that. So why, I asked myself this morning early when I got up, I woke up about 4.45. Why does the devil get so upset? I'm glad he's mad. Why does the devil get so upset? Because when you walk in faith, it announces to the world by your actions that you know and have been with God. It says, I've been with Jesus. I've been with him. I know who he is. I have faith in his words because I've watched him. I've experienced him. 
I know who he is. A lack of faith says, I don't know him and the power of his resurrection. It says, I haven't had fellowship with him. But when you have fellowship, faith follows. Everybody say, when I have fellowship, faith follows. You can't live like you live all week in the flesh and then expect God to show up once a week. You don't even think about him until Saturday night because you think, well, I'm going to have to go hear that old preacher again. Oh, God, I'm so wore out. He's going to tell me things I don't, I already know. I don't need this. Well, you obviously do. So it speaks to me that when I see a person stand in faith, listen, let me tell you a little story. One of the bishops that I was with this week, I was telling him some of my issues. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, man, you don't understand where I've been. I'm thinking that to myself. And he said, well, I've gone through a few things in the last few months. And I said, what did you, you go through? He said, well, I had to have a heart transplant. Now, listen to this. Because he is a man that believes in God, trusts in God. What are you saying? Oh, yeah. I told her I called her on the phone. He's like in his 50s, early 50s. They said, your heart is failing. African-American gentleman. I've become a friend with him all of a sudden. His name's Jason. And they said, sir, you, you have to have this heart, but we're going to tell you this. We're going to put you on a list. And doc, now, Dr. Carrier knows I'm telling the truth. We're going to put you on a list, but it'll probably be three to five years before we can find you a heart. So in that t- meantime, you're probably going to have to go on a mechanical heart. And he said, if you go on a mechanical car, it may even be longer before we can get you a heart. Now, I don't understand that, but that's what they do. He said, Alan, I, I didn't want to walk around with all that machinery hooked to me and tubes and all that stuff that he was going to have to do from what they said. But let me show you what favor does. They called him up five, everybody say five days. Five, five days later and said, Bishop, we found you a heart. Five days later. And they put the heart in. And he looks as good as ever. Well, why do you tell me that? Because if he, God help me, if he had not been in covenant, I've never seen a man give like it. He handed me money before I walked out of the church the other day to leave. He said, let me give you this. I said, what is it? He says, I'm sowing some seed into your life. Because he's a sower, and God brought him a heart in five days. Oh, y'all aren't getting happy unless it was your heart for you or your child or your wife. Five days? Ask that doctor sitting right there how impossible that is. Five days? Boy, I feel the anointing now. God's about to change this church. He's about to flip a light switch on in your heart and your mind. When I saw the joy in his eyes, I said, man, I've, got, I've, I've, I've been, I failed my people. I've got to tell them some truth. It starts to announce to the world, now he announces to the world, I know God, I've been with God. I'm in covenant with God. Hear me, I wouldn't go anywhere or do anything without covenant. 
I wouldn't walk out of here without knowing I was in covenant. Wouldn't do it. So with all this, here comes Paul, the apostle Paul. Now, what does he know? He knows enough to write most of the New Testament, but let's just see what he knows. In 2 Timothy 1, 11 through 12, in the New International Version, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. What? He's suffering because he is preaching the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm suffering as I am, yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard that I have entrusted to him for that day. I know in whom I believe and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that, to keep that, to keep that. That's the King James Version. Keep that which I've committed unto that day. You understand? Matter of fact, later on, Paul starts to apologize for some things because he didn't teach the church. He, he felt like he, he failed in certain areas with the church. Watch this. As Paul, you have to move beyond your flesh your flesh thinking, your flesh thoughts to obtain. What do you mean? Proverbs 20, verse 4. Now we're getting down to something. I won't be long. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The sluggard, the lazy, I'll read it in another version in a moment. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. What do you mean? This lazy man or woman will not sow the seed in the correct harvest, the seed that's vital for them to have the harvest. No seed, no harvest. No sow, no grow. You say, well, I'm, I was raised in a Baptist church. Well, that's your problem. The Bible never called us Baptists. He never called us Methodists. He never called us Episcopalian. He never called us Catholic. He called us the called out ones. That's just fact. You're either called out or you're, or you're not. So it's the lazy person, either man or woman, that they don't see the need to sow. They're moved by what they see rationalization. I've got to think about it. Now, let me just tell you something. If you've got to pray about sowing, you are missing it. I don't know about it. If I'm sowing, let me pray about it and get a word. You already got a word. Don't you come to me and say, Bishop, I've been thinking about this sowing thing you're talking about and giving. I'm going to pray about it. No, you're missing it. You're just missing it because the word is true. The word is solid. It's a foundational truth. It's a law. Everybody say it's a law. So if we're moved by what we see and not by faith, you will be without a harvest. And then you'll go around telling people, I don't know why you're blessed. I'm not. Everything can go wrong going wrong with me. Well, quit. Look at yourself. Just look at yourself. Why would God bless you, Gerald? Covenant. I'm in contract with God. He's my father. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. 
I'm in right relationship with him. He loves me. You say, you don't understand what I'm trying to accomplish. Let me tell you about accomplishment. It's when you stand in front of him face to face and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That to me is accomplishment. Somebody said, you know, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says I stand at the door and knock. And I'm going to tell you, there's somebody the other day going up Fontaine Road and hit a car head on and Jesus was standing there knocking. I want to tell you, in a, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, you can face him. Boom! And if I face him, I want to face him knowing I've done everything I know to do. Now watch this. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I don't have. I've heard people moved by what I, I don't have enough. I'll cover that in a second. I don't have enough. I got my bag of seed right here and I don't have enough. Or moved by envy or jealousy. Moved by, let's, oh, this is one. I've heard people say this. I'm going to be moved by, I'm going to let someone else do it. I'll enjoy the fruit of it, but I'm going to let somebody, I'll let Patton do it. I'll let Christian do it. I know they'll do it. I'll just sneak on by. You ain't sneaking on by with nobody. God's watching. I'll let someone else do it. How many of you have heard that before? Someone else will do it. Everything you see here is not because someone else did it. It's because we all did it. In the New Living Translation, Jimmy, it says that same verse, those too lazy to plow in the right season. What season? The right season. There's a right season. Those that are too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Go ahead and think that it's always going to be the same old, same old, and you're going to be the same person you were, and God's always winked at you, and you thought you got by. Those days are over. Just remember I said that. I heard him this week. Those days are over, and he's over with me. He said, you preach the truth the way I've taught you, and don't back off, because anytime I've ever come across this way, people either leave or they stay. But truth is truth. So those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food in the harvest. You know, just don't understand, Bishop. I have only so much seed in my bag. Your bag looks like a billfold or a purse. I've only got so much seed in my bag. Well, let me just go ahead and help you with some thinking here. What I see is this, that as long as it stays in the bag, you will never enjoy the harvest God has prepared for you. Amen. Never. Well, I don't know, Bishop. Well, let me help you. It's a law. And this law has been with us since the beginning of time. I just don't know. Well, let me just take it to Genesis 8, 2 to 22, that people that don't know. While the earth remaineth, King James Version, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Amen. Notice he put all those other things in there with seed time and harvest, cold and heat. All those things have never stopped, have they? Surely as the sun came up this morning, 
you'll watch the sun go down this evening. Am I right? That's just the way it will be. It's a law. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 in the New International Version. Remember this, the apostle says. Now he's talking here, and this is something he was dealing with because he was literally, he was, he was almost apologetic. Remember this, whenever, whoever sows sparingly, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, will reap sparingly. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You hold on to the sack, you put a little bit out, and you think, well, I should have gotten a lot. No, you sowed sparingly. Shall also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is not Alan's words. It's not Bishop Payne's words. This isn't Mike Cronin's words. This is God's word. Each man or woman understood should give what he has decided in his heart to give. But that right there is a key. It should not, uh, he'll read here in just a moment. It's the heart of giving that changes things because they make a decision. Watch this. Each man should give what he has decided to give in his heart to give, not reluctantly, don't you reluctantly give, or under compulsion, no force, for God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> God gets happy when you do what's right. And then God is able to make all grace, oh, that's worth it all. Then God is able to make all grace his supernatural power, his creative force. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in some things, all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do you all hear that? Do you hear that, Vic? Everything, all time. It just doesn't matter. Heard a guy whisper into a guy's ear, another, actually there's two bishops, and I, I heard him whisper into a guy, I was standing right here beside him, and I heard him whisper, he said, I've been wrong. I, could wait. I heard him whispering. He said, and before, before you leave, I'm writing you a check for $50,000. The man that heard it, he acted as nothing because it was the right thing he heard from God. He had, the other had been delinquent. He had not done what God had told him to do. Matter of fact, this morning, before I preached this message, I made sure I gave extra. I know next week's kingdom first, but I started today. And then I gave all week. One, they, they said, put, put, put uh, uh, the money in your right hand. And I did, and he said, he said, now, raise it up to heaven. Well, I couldn't even, my arm's been in bad shape. I went straight up. And God said, see, I can do anything I want to do whenever I want to do it. And, and you know why I gave? Because on this particular offering, he said, chains are going to be broken. One man walked up to me, which I trust, well, James Payne, which I trust him. He, he's not in lack. 
He said, Alan, listen to me. I feel a depth in you that I've not seen. He said, there's a depth in you. And he said, I want you to know what God spoke to me this morning in prayer. He said, three things are going to happen to you rapidly. Boom, boom, boom. So start watching it. He said, it's going to come. He's talking about, he's talking about blessing. It's going to happen in three. Boom, boom, boom. Well, I'm going to tell y'all, you and this, you got blessing coming too. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody go boom, boom, boom. You say, that's craziness. No, boom, 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 it's going to happen. I decree it. As it is written, verse 9, as it is written, he that has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seeds of the sower. In other words, when you are a giver, he's going to give you what to give. Because he wants you to be supplied. Watch. Now, who supplies seed to the sower and bread, bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made what? Rich. You will be made rich in every way. That's what it means in the King James. You'll be rich in every way so that you can be What's that word? So you can be generous. God's going to make you rich in every way. He'll make you rich in every way so that you, sir, can be generous. That's just the way it works. Well, I wish God would help me because if he'd hit me, I'd show him I could be generous. Have you ever thought about starting it now? For three months, and I'm not saying this to raise an offering, but for three months, I've watched the decline in our church. I've watched the finances go down, 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 down. And I said, today, it's enough. It's over with. That ends today. We either God's people, the called out ones, or we're not. And either the chains are broken or they're not. I'm of the opinion they are broken. And they need to be broken in your mind, in your heart. The cobwebs, you need to blow them off. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Sowing or giving is a law. How many people remember Robert Shuler or Bob Shuler? He was the pastor of the Crystal Cathedral in California. He had a television program that was around the world. Bob Shuler was reported as saying, you know, he said this, someone I know. He said, you know what I think hell is? He said, I think hell is when you get to heaven and see all the things God had laid up in store for you, for us that we never access because of our lack of faith and our reluctance to sow so it could grow. That's Bob Shuler. He's standing with him now. See, Doc, I don't want to go up and God says, see that over there? That's what I have prepared for you, but you were too ignorant to do it. Lack of knowledge. Bible says it, because of their lack of knowledge, you're destroyed. I don't know about y'all, but I want to go up there and look, and when he shows me, I want to see my bin empty. You got it. 
He wants you to be walk, he wants you to walk in prosperity. He said, well, I've got enough already. Not enough. Not enough. Because God's got more. Everybody say mo. 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 God's got more. Now y'all gotta sit with me for a minute because I'm not finished yet. So I say, here's the terms I say. You have to see it. You have to see what God sees to have what God has. But watch this. You want me to say it again? You have to see what God sees in order to have what God has. I say you have to see it. Then you have to say it. Then you have to sow it. Then you have to grow it. And then you reap it. That's what happens. And no matter who you are, you can leave here today and say, I'm all crazy. But you'll find out one day what I'm teaching you is truth. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23 in the King James Version, he said, if you can believe, some things are possible. All things are possible to him that believeth. Then Jesus said in Matthew 19, uh, 26, because the disciples questioned him, you know, who then can be saved? He said, but Jesus beheld them because he beheld their unbelief. He said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now buckle your seatbelts for a moment. This is going to take probably a couple weeks for me to develop. Luke 17, verse 6. And the Lord said, who said it? And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Has anyone ever seen a grain of mustard seed? It is so T90. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. Now you think, why in the world, let me develop this as quick as I can. Why in the world Jesus pulled out of his hat sycamine tree? No, Jesus never pulled anything out of his hat. He knew exactly what he was saying when he said it. He understood well the sycamine tree. What do you mean? Because he never did anything without a, a, a spiritual thought process. He chose this tree because it's, number one, it was very prolific in Israel. And it put out bitter fruit. Bitter fruit. As a matter of fact, the fruit of it could, it was not for the rich people because the rich people would eat from a, a different tree because this bit was so bitter that the poor people, the beggars would eat the fruit because it was so bitter that they could only eat a little bit at a time. But that's all they could afford. Everybody said that's all they could afford. Not only was its fruit bitter, but its roots grew real deep and it's that which you could see was like 30 or 40 feet. Why did Jesus say it's a grain of mustard seed? You, you can pluck it up by the roots. Because unless you plucked it up by the roots, it was going to grow back. You could cut it down, it's going to grow back. So it had to be eradicated. So the faith you have when you speak it can literally pluck it up, Damon, by the roots. And it'll be cast into the sea. Sycamine. Bitter fruit can only be pollinated because the wasp hang, hung out around that tree. The wasp pollinated the fruit by stinging it. So Jesus knew what he was talking about. 
The roots grow so deep that it had to be plucked up. Only the poor could really enjoy it. And they had to develop, watch this, they had to develop a taste for it. And this sycamine tree that Jesus spoke of grew very easily in this environment or any environment. Not the American sycamine, sycamore tree, sycamine tree, but the Middle Eastern sycamine tree. There's a difference. As a matter of fact, the wood from the sycamine tree was used for something. You know what it was used for? Coffins. So Jesus said, if you have faith as a seed, you could say to this obstacle, be removed and it should obey who? You. Just talk for a second there. Next week, I'll go into some other things. But the sycamine tree, very important to understand. Here it is, bitter fruit, deep roots, speaks of bitterness and unforgiveness, speaks of all those things. It also speaks of poverty. Help me now. It speaks of poverty. It speaks of being broke. I don't have it. There's been times in my life when I didn't have nothing. Oh, I remember not having enough. I was with my sycamine tree. Broke, disgusted, because I'm under my sycamine tree. The problem with the church right now, for the most part, is we're hanging around under and fellowshipping with the sycamine tree. Bitter fruit, roots are deep, we're not going to change because the roots are there, and that's why he says, with a grain of, of, a grain of mustard seed, you, you can tell it to go. You rip it right out of the soil, and we could do that today. We could rip it right out of the soil and tell it to leave, and we could conquer some things. But if you think poor, you're going to stay poor. You think broke, you're going to stay broke. You think like a king, you can be a king. So how in the world, Bishop, did you get out of your mess? I got sick of mine. Come on. I got sick of mine. And until you get sick of your mind, you're going to be walking around scratching your head wondering what in the world have I done wrong. And you're going, don't ever come to me again and say I'm going to pray about it because that don't work. You're still under a sick of mine tree. You've let the roots go too deep. You see, if you hang around a sycamine tree, the only thing worthy of the sycamine is, is a casket, death. But today, I've already done it. I'm going to sow myself out of my grief, sow myself out of my pain, sow myself out of my disgust. I'm disgusted and busted. No more. It ends today.